1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. Thank you for joining me. It's wonderful that you're here. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and I'm very pleased to say that my guest on this episode is Alice Living. Now, Alice is a health and well-being content creator, best-selling author, and personal trainer. In fact, there's so many things that this lovely woman does. That's just the tip of the iceberg. You may you may hear her called a fitness influencer, and her journey to this huge social media presence, she currently has 636,000 thousand followers on Instagram has been a really interesting one. I found Alice because we happen to know a lot of people in common. So every time I went on Instagram, her content would turn up in my you might like to follow section. So we hadn't actually met in real life, but social media kept putting her in front of me. Alice is a qualified personal trainer and I honestly have saved so many of her workout videos and tutorials and have created so many circuit workouts from her feed. If you've ever seen me on my Instagram where I'm at Emma Guns and I'm like, guys, just done my own workout, likely I would have nicked it from Alice or sort of combined a couple of her videos um, to create my own circuit. They are so, so good and they're really informative. They tell you how to do the exercise, why you're doing the exercise and the combinations are really smart because she knows what she's talking about. She is an influencer coming from a place of authority and from a place of having a qualification. I genuinely think her Instagram is genius you can probably tell and I've always been so impressed that she gives this really golden mint content as my friend would say away for free on her main grid all you have to do is just go and follow her if you've ever felt silly about doing workouts at home or have thought oh I'm not really sure how to do that with that and if I want to do that how I should put that together then I sincerely I highly recommend you follow her videos because they are as useful in terms of form and how to how to do exercises as they are in content I find myself watching them a couple of times over just to make sure I know exactly what I should be doing like should I be um you know using my glutes for that or should I be pulling from here it's really really informative stuff and it's just there on her main grid the same goes for her strength training content which is actually also very brilliant naturally as long time listeners can imagine once I started down the Alice uh, rabbit hole I wanted to commit her to audio on this podcast and quiz her about fitness wellness and her health philosophies in this conversation we discussed growing up online At 26, Alice was at college when she started sharing content on her social media platforms long before Um, sort of being a social media person, influencer, whatever you might like to call it, was really a thing. And we talk about the role social media can play in one's mental health, both the good and the bad. We talk about self-esteem, the impact training herself and others has had on her physical, emotional and mental health. We also discuss going with the flow and following the path of least resistance. Following your dreams, but also taking notice when the universe is waving something in front of you. The universe meaning... You keep seeing something over and over again. Uh, It keeps sort of going, I'm over here. Hey, McFly, over here. We talk about that. We talk about weight and body positivity and how not to be governed by the number on the scales or get caught in the trap of leaner is better. And I really appreciated her professional insight on this. I really enjoyed this conversation with Alice. I really, really did. It sort of was one I thought about again and again in the days after um, recording. And then when I went back and listened, I was like, oh God, there's some really juicy content in here i really learned a lot and i genuinely could have easily chatted to her for hours she's really thoughtful positive and someone it's just really nice to be around just simple as that I am of course going to put all the links to Alice and her books, her website, her social media etc in the show notes which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode but here she is making her debut hopefully this won't be the last of her she's a fellow podcaster so I'm hoping that we'll be recording together again here she is the brilliant kind and very generous Alice Living on The Emma Gunn Show. Well, this is magnificent because normally when I am looking at Alice Living, it is because I am following a Cossack squat.
0: <laughs> amazing.
1: <laughs> Where I have saved your amazing workouts from Instagram. It really
0: is genuinely um such a bloody brilliant resource. Thank you. I hope so. I think that's one of the things that like I I hope people learn stuff from what I do. Mm. Because I think there's lots of people that are doing, you know booty workouts on Instagram and stuff and that's fine and I think there's definitely a place for it but I'd love someone to come to my page and say oh I really learned how to do that properly mm-hmm. or you really showed me how to do that exercise right because I wasn't necessarily doing it right before or I didn't I didn't know that exercise and I've now learned to how how and why to incorporate that into my routine like I think that's that's sometimes what keeps me going is I love I love to learn myself that's what's kept me going as a trainer and then to be able to impart that knowledge on other people is for is what yeah and what I love doing so it's good to know that it's going somewhere
1: (laughs) so you are what I would call a slashy so you are a PT Mm -hmm. you would also be called a social media do you like
0: influencer Influencer? I can tell you don't want to say the word it's fine I yeah I think we all influence people but yeah I guess I just do it on a slightly larger scale Mm. than most yeah yeah
1: (laughs) You work. So, what are your other things that you do? Because it's not just a...
0: well yeah. in my life. I have been in theatre. So, I started out as a performer, I trained as a dancer and, and musical theatre performer, and I went so into. <laughs> I surprised I'm surprised I've not done my jazz hands yet. Went into <laughs> um, the UK tour of Annie. So, I did that for a year, and then I am an author because then straight after that, I wrote my first book, and then went on to write two more. And then now I do all sorts, so I write for magazines, and I do some, like, corporate work, and I do, obviously, you said my PT stuff, and I, um just try and stay afloat above it all really just while silently like paddling madly underneath the water (laughs) well this is interesting this is what I find really interesting what I
1: try to tap into with my guests because we've talked you're 26 years old Mm. you've got this incredible social media presence you do have influence you do work with brands Mm. and I guess when you were at university or when you were planning a career Mm. I would be surprised if this was what you had envisioned only because not all of it was available. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I, when I was at university, I was basically setting myself up for a life of I'm probably going to be a slashy, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. I would probably be working a waitressing job and also be like doing something else on the side, and then probably also performing for gigs and whatever, and then maybe getting the odd tour or West End or you know show. That was like that was what I thought I would be doing and earning. Probably very, very minimal money, but <laughs> loving my job. And that was always like the thing that kept you going. Every rehearsal where you were kept until like 10 o'clock at night, every time you were sore, every time you got shouted at by your ballet teacher because you were shit. <laughs> 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 then I just kept being like, no, but it's fine because I love what I do. And that's why I'm so grateful, is that even though everything started taking off for me online while I was still at college, um, I got the opportunity to live my dream for a year and do the tour and perform every night to thousands of people and feel that feeling because I think I'd have, and I said this to my friend the other day, I would have been really gutted if I'd never have got to do that. Whereas I did it, Mm -hmm. I lived and breathed it and I loved it. But then I realized that actually like this whole world was opening up for me and it probably wasn't going to come around again. And so I wanted to, having done that opportunity of doing the tour try and see what that world was like explore see like you know I'd never PT'd anyone before till I Mm. finished the tour so I wanted to see what that was like did I enjoy it Um, I'd been qualified for a while but I'd never actually worked on a gym floor and I thought that was really important and yeah so then I started exploring this other job slash world and found that I got the same buzz from doing all of these things but a different buzz so it's still it's still exhilarating. It still gives me that kind of adrenaline kick in some some way. It's just different to standing on the stage and hearing the applause of like thousands of people, but yeah, it's still it's still a great buzz.
1: So the germ of the career that you have now was when you were at college and it was when you started was it when you started the Instagram yeah. feed? Yeah, yeah. Which back then was clean eating Alex mm-hmm. because you had decided to uh, make a change to your diet. Yeah. Um, and at the time that great umbrella term clean eating which obviously has been ripped to shreds now but at the time was completely appropriate mm. um, because you thought right I'm going to put together meals that make me feel good mm-hmm. so what were you doing at college what were, you, what were your, um, what was your
0: course so I was doing musical theatre yeah. I trained at a place called Bird College which is quite a renowned um, musical theatre college and I had a, well a funny entry into Bird College so I decided very late on that that was what I definitely wanted to do I was I'm, I've been insecure my entire life to the point that I always had to have a backup plan because I'm never quite sure I'm going to be able to achieve something I was never that person was well, like I'll 100% get a place in this college you know mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything else I was like oh I'll try but I'll also apply to universities because I might not get in and I'll you know have a backup plan so i also applied to universities and started auditioning and found the whole process like really tough um, but had a really really good audition at Bird and it felt like it was the right place for me just like you know when the stars align like Mm -hmm. everything sort of came together on that day and um, I ended up getting offered the uh, three year degree course there so off I went and I had the most hideous first year at college I mean it was so awful that I just was like what am I doing here I am awful everyone is so talented Mm -hmm. around me And it was hard because I think you're thrown together with this mix of people. Everyone's got such huge personalities because you're all very, like, showbiz. (laughs) And everyone's trying to get themselves heard and seen. And everyone's very, very talented as well. And instead of being that person that... And like I said, you know, I am... Of an insecure nature, I think, and I always have been. Instead of being the person that was like, these people are all talented, but so am I, mm. I was, these people are all talented. How, what what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't belong here. So I would hide at the back and I would, uh, I mean, at the amount of times, I burst into tears and left lessons. I rang my mum crying, like, I think in my first term was like, I'm coming home, I'm done. My ballet master, Mr. Wilson, who I now adore and have a lot of respect for, but at the time, um, was just terrified. Like, I cannot explain to you how terrified I was of him. I mean, I would literally, like, pee myself a little bit every time I went into his lesson. Um, <laughs> And he made me cry, like, in my, I think it was my first lessons with him. And just, I was, like, sobbing at the back of the class because he was so awful to me. And they, they almost do it as a way to, like, they break you down and then they build you back up again. But I didn't quite realise that at the time. So that whole experience was pretty horrific. But then as I went into my second year, I'd started to, like, solidify my friendships. I felt very much more comfortable in, like, who I was with as friends mm. and, like, my, the environment and all that kind of stuff. And there was one teacher who just I think saw something in me whatever and I ended up getting um the lead role in our second year musical which was Legally Blonde my wife Elwoods which was obviously a dream come true and it was just it's it just shows you sometimes how like just someone believing in you and saying that you can do something can be all it needs for you to be like oh my god I can do this mm. and that was Basically, the catalyst to me then having the most amazing rest of my time at college. Suddenly, I just felt like, okay, I might not be amazing at lots of things. Tap, I'm terrible at. Ballet was never my strong point, but you know, I get through, and I always give it a hundred percent, and I will always show up a hundred percent. And I think that's what I knew was my strength. And the interesting thing with clean eating, Alice was that really started around that time was that I just decided that I was never going to be the skinniest or the tallest or the most beautiful or whatever And by the way, you're judged very much on your appearance at theatre school, so those were all the things that I was thinking. Obviously now I know that that's not the case, but that was what I was thinking at the time. But I decided that I was going to be the strongest and I just wanted to be really strong and I wanted to be able to, you know, be fit enough to last through an entire audition and not be exhausted Mm. and be strong enough that my body wouldn't get injured. And so I started with firstly the food, but then also the exercise as well. And just... um, developing this this kind of page where I was posting what I was eating and um I look back now and it just seems so so silly but it was really like a a diary for me and it was Mm. quite cathartic in a way um and it really did help me just build that confidence of I am good enough Mm. and I'd never felt that before so it was that kind of that point where I was like right this is it and so it, it yeah and it basically changed my life so I can't really knock it too much but um It's funny how you mentioned the Clean Eating Alice thing and it just seems so crazy that I was swept up into all of that because... I literally chose that name like, on a whim I was, it was like a completely private page and I was like what can I call it what can I call it and I was like oh I've I'd heard the term like bandied around I had no idea what it meant and I was like oh that sounds quite good that sounds like what I'm trying to do I'm just going to eat a little bit healthier and make nice meals that look, look good and taste good and whatever so I just call it that and then yeah fast forward a year and it was like it's awful what is everyone and I get it and I totally agree that we shouldn't be you know I think it's a terrible term Mm-hmm. and i realize now the impact of words and how that really did have a very mm-hmm. very um, damaging effect on a lot of people and i totally get that but it's funny like at the time i was just like oh yeah when you change when you choose your first email address i'm just gonna call myself cleaning <laughs> your but yeah anyway thankfully my my management at the time was just like this is crazy like you are, you are your own brand anyway you just need to change it to your name and I completely agree with them and was so for doing that so um, yeah, the rest I, is history
1: loads of people I know who started who went from print media for example mm. into trying to do something digital whether that was video or audio or what have you mm. came up with a name, I think because we'd all worked for magazines or, or brands and each and every single one of us within 18 months like changed, changed it changed it back to our name. it's crazy
0: isn't it But I think when you first do something, you you almost hide behind it a little bit. Mm. So it's like, oh, it's not me. Um, And there's something in as well. You start off by wanting to make it for like just just objectifying the content. Mm. And then obviously as you start to gain popularity or whatever, people are much more interested in not just your content, but you as well. Mm. So then it made more sense because I was happy to share Mm. and divulge information about myself, which some people aren't, but I was. That you would then make it your name because it makes more sense. How that's a really good
1: way to sort of go into the boundaries conversation. Yes, <laughs> because social media, to all intents and purposes, what you see is your life. But mm. we all know it gets edited. Mm. We know about face tuning apps and whatnot. <laughs> and whether it's face tune or whether it's just withholding the bad stuff, mm. it's it's not reality. Mm. It's not social reality. It's social media. Mm. Yeah. Um, And you got into it early. You Mm. shared something which is actually really personal, the food Mm. that you're eating. Mm -hmm. People can have an opinion about that. Mm -hmm. They can also have an opinion about what you look like. Mm. Uh, Has it been a turbulent road? Do you feel like you've you've got sort of a hard line now?
0: Um, I think I still... I think we all struggle with boundaries sometimes because mm-hmm. it depends where you are in your life. You know, there's times where I'm totally happy to talk about stuff, and there'll be times where my guard will come up because I'm not, I'm going through something or I'm struggling mm-hmm. with something, and I'm like, I'm just not ready to talk about yeah. that yet. So I think my boundaries are never linear, they, they're always changing. Um, I think early on, I very much. Relied on the validation from mm. my followers and I think that's something that's, diff- that's, that's changed sorry as I've got older is that for, but if I go back to like four years ago I would have a good day if it posted well and I would find it difficult mm. to deal if, I, if it hadn't mm. and that you know that still happens to a certain extent mm. because it's my job and it's my job for my content to get good engagement and mm. stuff but it's in a different way and I would I would post pictures of myself because I just needed to be told that I look great Mm. and I would really do you know what I mean and I Mm. think you know I probably to a certain extent if I'm being totally honest still do that now sometimes Mm. if I take a great picture of myself I want to share it and I'm like I'm happy when people tell me I look great but I'm honest about saying that (laughs) I don't just do it because I'm like I just yeah I'm just so happy in myself like don't get me wrong Everyone, everyone loves a compliment. Um, But I don't seek it out as much anymore, I don't think. You know, I I feel like I've got more of a voice and I bring more to the table than just being like, look at what I look like. And I think, actually, there's one thing that I definitely have done. Bar the odd bikini shot when I'm away on holiday, I used to post almost weekly photos of my body, like really quite regularly. And it would always be to the remark of, oh my God, look at your abs, look at this, look at that, look how amazing your body is. And that was really like polishing my halo for me. That was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, yes, I'm doing everything right. And it almost further entrenched a lot of the like, uh, probably very disordered behaviors that I was engaging in Mm -hmm. to keep that that weight. Mm -hmm. And now I, I can't remember the last time I really wanted to like stand in front of the mirror and be like, look at my body. It's just not something that I feel like I need to do. I don't need to be validated by other people online to tell me that my body is great or not great. Um, I I have had to do a lot of work internally to get mm-hmm. to the point that I'm like, I'm not as lean as I used to be, but I'm happy and I'm comfortable and I don't need to share my body to get, the, mm-hmm. get to, to make, to feel better about myself. And I think that is definitely something that I've noticed that I've, has changed, sorry, since I started um, and I think i don 't even know when that was, but I feel like i there was just at one point where I think I must have posted something and just been like, why am I doing this? Like, who's this for? And who's it helping, more importantly? Because I know that seeing other people's bodies doesn't necessarily do great things for my mental health. In the amount of times that I've gone on social media and I've seen someone looking fucking amazing in a bikini, and I'm just like, I don't look like that. Mm. <laughs> I'm very short, and I've got short, stumpy legs, and I'm just never going to be, like, long and lean and on, on the beach lying down with, like, six foot legs. I find Olivia Culpo very triggering. Oh! It's so triggering. So I'm like, why am I doing that to other people? You know, Mm. if I feel like that when I look at her, what's me doing that, Mm. doing to other people? Because surely that would have the same effect. So, yeah, I just stopped. And I didn't really miss it at all. And, you know, like I said, I will still post the odd selfie where I think, damn, I look great. But Mm. I think that's just human nature.
1: But I also think you editorialise your content. It's never just a... um, you know, f- follow for likes or whatever. Oh the, the thing no, is.
0: yeah, exactly. And and hopefully they're always quite tasteful. You know, I'm not to anything. You know, the same no booby shots mm-hmm. or anything like that. <laughs>
1: um, let's can we unpick the uh, thing you said a couple of minutes ago? I have to, I had to do a lot of work internally, yes, to be comfortable. And you talked about being leaner before, mm.
0: and your body's has changed. Mm. Um, I'm sitting with you now. I think you look great. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like now, I'm a, a healthy. I'm not saying I'm anything not healthy like I'm I'm at a weight that I'm very that my body is comfortable and that's the most important thing um but that's interesting because I think that a lot of women
1: focus on I do it too I know I can remember a time when I would get on the scale and be lighter than I am Mm. now and so every day when I wake up and I'm not that weight, I think Mm. that I'm living a bad life Mm.
0: I think we we have such a complicated Mm. relationship with our bodies i i I see women all the time as clients i can't tell you the last time i had someone who didn't have a complicated relationship with food Mm. or their body it is so common and it's sad because there's so much to unpick with that Mm. there's so many reasons why you know one of my favourite people to follow online actually is a girl called Tally Rye and she is one of my best friends so I'm not just saying that because I love her but she, she's she been on a very, very similar journey to myself except she's got to the point where she is... she knows so much more and she's done a lot of research into things like health at every the health at every size movement, the anti-diet culture movement, the intuitive eating movement and all of these things i've sort of seen her life completely changed by getting into the not i say getting into it like it's a trend it's not it's 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 just opening your eyes to the fact that there is a whole world out there of information that's saying one diets don't work Mm. two we are conditioned to believe that we constantly need to be losing weight and that we need to be bettering ourselves that all of us can maintain a lean weight healthily? Absolutely not. You know, there are so many physiological implications of maintaining a very lean physique that I don't think many people talk about. Um, and I just think I was never... Uh, I, it's funny because when you're in something, it's very difficult to see that you're mm-hmm. doing anything other than, like, good, good stuff, especially when it's being validated on social media mm-hmm. 24-7. So for me, I never really realised there was a problem... I wouldn't necessarily a problem but just I was thinking that everything I was doing was healthy I think that's the important thing was that in my head the way that I, like the, the environment that I was bred kind of in in terms of everyone that was doing similar things to me so maybe three or four years ago we were all Eating weird protein bars and putting courgette in our um, porridge and doing like just the most nuts, bizarre, weird things. Oh, yeah, and it was almost this. We were breeding this culture of like completely bizarre, disordered eating patterns mm. for not only ourselves but everyone that was following us. And and you know, I still it's difficult i still live with the guilt of that because i feel like i influence a lot of people in that sense but then i think i was only a product of the environment that i was into mm. so i don't know i don't i try and unburden myself of that as much as i can because i know that it wasn't necessarily my fault but um it was just the weird world that we were in and thank god that i kind of saw the light and realized that actually like there was a whole life to be lived mm-hmm. that didn't involve me maintaining the size six figure and um since i guess going on that journey a lot of it had to had to come from inside of myself it had to come from acceptance and um realizing that um life isn't necessarily better being skinnier mm-hmm. like I, for, in my head because i'd been on this whole journey of body transformation or whatever um there's a lot of things that happen like it, it's almost that like uh, i think it's called like you kind of like um adrenaline kick of yeah. um when, you, when, you, when your clothes are like, when you can order a size six and it's mm. like, oh my God, I'm ordering the smaller thighs and mm-hmm. uh, and having to go through the the reverse of that as well of being like, okay, things don't fit anymore. Mm. You know, I have to buy all new sports bras because my boobs are like three times bigger and I can't fit into my leggings anymore and I've got loads of really nice dresses that I bought that just don't fit. And like that mentally has been something that I had to really work through because I was just like, this is a good thing and telling myself that actually this was a good thing that this was happening. Um and so yeah I think it's, it's it, it had to start from inside mm-hmm. and starting from inside then had thankfully had the kind of, I kind of positive impact of then getting me to a point where my body was just comfortable yeah. that like I exercise in a very normal way now and whatever normal is but I exercise in a very normal way for myself I eat a very balanced diet and just have a bit of a life
1: Yeah, that's the vibe that I get from your feed, honestly, is that when I think about exercise, there will always be, I would say, an element of panic Mm. in my approach because I guess, and I'm presuming some other women who who are listening to this might feel like this is because I want a result from it Mm -hmm. and straight away from that session within like two weeks yeah yeah (laughs) and so there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of kind of emotions that are up here and not particularly grounded and when I consume your media what I feel is it's slow it's steady Mm. it's measured it's calm Mm. they're all the sort of weighted grounded mm. emotions mm. that and it's more consistency and kind of just enjoy it mm. as opposed to do it as quickly as possible mm. and as hard as possible.
0: Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things you said there. First one is uh, a I can't remember the last time that someone came to me and said they didn't want to use exercise to lose weight, and I think that makes me really sad because I think we don't appreciate the other hugely positive benefits that exercise Mm -hmm. brings to our body that don't involve losing weight. The majority of people probably don't even need to lose weight through exercise. They just need to do it because, you know, first of all, it's great for your mental health, things like bone health. Mm -hmm. um, Getting outside in nature is another great thing. Um, There are so many... uh, for me as well like the socialisation like mm. the social element of working out with other people um, there's so many other great things that exercise brings to the table but we always come to it last minute when we've probably got like something coming up and we're mm. like oh I'm going to exercise I'm going to go hard as nails and go every to the gym every day for six mm. weeks and um, go away and then fall out of love with it and never come and, and you know then mm. have a massive mm. break rather than I'm going to exercise moderately for the next 50 years of my life I'm going to do exercise that I enjoy I'm going to make sure that I don't think of it as exercise mm. I think there's a lot of our or a lot of our psyche is very much geared up to exercise being you have to be dripping with sweat you have to be in a gym or you have to be like throwing some weights around or doing mm. something like, or like running or whatever exercise looks so different to everyone mm. it doesn't matter how you move your body whether that be yoga pilates running walking climbing swimming um I'm crawling I don't care I don't care what you do it's anything that sort of elevates your heart rate challenges your uh muscular muscular system um that puts the body under some sort of resistance mm. so body weight work or with weights um it can look so different and so yeah like I said I'm gonna move my body moderately mm. in a way I enjoy for the next 50 to however many more years and i'm going to be able to be consistent with it because i'm not seeing it as a chore and i'm not mm-hmm. seeing it as something that i'm doing in the short term for quick gain it's something that i'm doing for my long-term health so that means that you you almost lose that pressure of having a time restraint mm-hmm. and wanting to achieve something like now mm-hmm. um so therefore because what i find is a, what the majority of people will literally like go hell for leather and then stop when they've achieved whatever they want or when they get to the holiday or whatever that they wanted to exercise for and then they find it very very difficult to get back into it because they don't have that kind of like burning motivation Mm. um so that's why i tend to avoid massive goals like that i mean. Get me wrong, like if you came to me and said I'm getting married, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, cool. Like we can we can do we can work with that. And like there are certain things that I know that people want to work towards, and that's totally fine. Um, but the majority of the time, I think I would far rather send someone away and say, find a way of moving that you enjoy. Like if it's weight training with me, great. But if it's not, don't worry. Like please don't beat yourself up about it. Just do something that you like and make sure that you're semi consistent with it. So maybe two, three, four times a week. Um, and yeah just reap the rewards mm. like try not to put pressure on yourself to um i guess do too much too soon um and take your advice from people that are giving good stuff because i think there's a lot of rubbish out there as well and you said something a little bit earlier about uh,
1: losing weight and actually maintaining a weight can be mm. a lean weight can be quite unhealthy mm. what, uh, when you work with uh, men and women i mm. guess and they come to you and they might say I really need to lose weight Mm. what if somebody has a has a particular kind of like base weight Mm. that maybe is a weight that where they are carrying what and I'm using air quotes here listeners some people might perceive as being a few extra pounds
0: Mm. like is is that a real thing too does everybody have like a base yeah so everyone has like a set point where their body is probably happiest and that looks different on everyone Mm. so mine is naturally higher than i was letting it be right so um that puts the body under a lot of stress um and therefore means that a lot of things like your menstrual cycle your hormonal function um your mood all those kind of things are impacted and it's a cascade of issues that can occur as a result of um, I guess doing that and that's not to say that everyone that is super super lean has those issues Mm. this is the thing because some people are naturally lean Mm. um, and will have a naturally lean physique you know look at like I'm not saying all but some runway models Mm -hmm. and people that are you know super tall or have like if you look at people's parents for example and they're both very wiry there's every likelihood that you're Mm -hmm. probably just going to be naturally wiry um I think it's really interesting and I'm very interested in the genetic side of things there's a book by Giles Yeo called Gene Eating Mm -hmm. so that's looking into like our genetics and um the impact that has on our um uh, weight, um, and I think that's that's a very interesting area, and not something that I know a huge amount about. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to sit here being like I'm an authority in this uh, in this area, um, but I definitely think that we as women see only one body as successful, mm-hmm. and that is the skinniest, leanest we've ever been, mm-hmm. and uh, um, also always generally younger as well. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because. I don't necessarily see that in the same way with men. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think we, we only accept one, one body type mm. rather mm. than being like... And actually, there's one thing that I've seen a positive change in, and it is that we are starting to see more inclusivity and diversity in a lot of the media. Mm. Just social media and in the media um so i'm not saying like right now we're only seeing one body type but i still think for the majority we only see one body type and there is a lot of work to be done to realize Mm -hmm. that celebrating different body types all different body types and all different types of shape size whatever um is so key to people just learning to accept where they are because yeah. if you never see someone that looks like you and these figures that are super super skinny are held on the pedestal as like the ideal of course you're going to want to aim for that that's mm. only natural um, but by celebrating all uh, all different body types it's like even I look at uh, you know magazine stuff and I just think I'm I'm never going to look like that like I I, I want to see someone that's like a real body mm. that I know that the, for example ASOS like some of the stuff they're doing now where they're showing it in all different body types yeah. that for me is like oh thank god now I can kind of actually see what it's going to look mm. like on me rather than that's what it looks like on the model but it will Definitely not look like that on me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I remember working out
1: with a personal trainer about God, twelve years ago now, and she was a personal trainer that I had been introduced to by uh, PR, very um, successful PR um, who worked in media. And then I think I introduced her to another journalist. Mm. And after about six months, I stopped working with her. It just cost-wise, it was just prohibitive and she said can I just say one thing about you and she mentioned the other women and she said of all the women I've ever trained in my life you three talk about your bodies in the most hideous way I find very uncomfortable to hear in those sessions mm. and she said I can't help but wonder whether it's because you work in the media because I don't have it with my other female clients mm. and I wonder if and that always stuck in my mind. Mm. And then I think with the rise of social media, I wonder whether that vocabulary and that sense of
0: mm. comparison, I guess, mm. has filtered out to more people. Mm. I think absolutely comparison has got a lot to, to um, answer for in terms of how social media opens our eyes to, I guess, these perfect bodies even more so than we've ever had before so before you would just look in a magazine now it's like on our TV on mm. our on our uh, screens um, in our magazines everywhere and it, yeah I guess that, that infiltration of perfection mm. um, in everything we consume is, is, causing, is causing a lot of problems, it makes me so deeply sad, if I'm totally honest, when I think about it I'm like I don't know how I feel about even bringing up like kids with social media these days, like it scares me the impact that it will have on them mentally like when you look at some of the stuff that's coming out now saying how like depressed and how many mental health issues there are in our teenage kids it's just crazy and i don't think social media is entirely to blame i think there's a lot of things but i haven't how do you use it mm, but i do think it has a big part to play in that mm. and it does it is frightening because i know i know how it makes me feel and i think i'm a strong you know strong minded Stable person, um,
1: so yeah. I would wonder whether you had seen the Matrix because you are somebody who's been on it for a long time since kind of the dawn, mm. and you kind of understand the mechanics of how mm. it works more than more than most. Mm. So I would wonder that. So the fact that you say that even you can succumb to the mm. comparison,
0: oh yeah, all the, all the time though, all the time. Um, I find it yeah, I find it a very hard world to work in, and like what we were saying before we started recording, like i just don't really scroll as much as i used to i just try and keep it as i go on there to do my work i Mm. post i i engage with the people that follow me because i think that's necessary and i enjoy doing that but i don't do mindless scrolling as much as i used to
1: if i i catch myself doing it sometimes Mm. and
0: i think i know what you're doing here you're (laughs) looking for a dopamine high do you know what i really like though is i like twitter because there's no imagery Mainly. Oh, interesting. So I love hearing... And that's why I still love Instagram, because I love captions. I love reading people's opinions and thoughts. And I love, like... I love the nature of Twitter in that, like, it's very... Quick and snappy. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong; it has like very bitchy elements, and there are there's a lot of infighting. But for the most part, I just really I much prefer going on there because there's there's the lack of that photo kind of oh look how amazing they look, look what mm-hmm. they're doing. Do you know what I mean? You just sort of read people's thoughts and feelings, and I and I quite like that.
1: I've definitely noticed recently. If I want to know what's happening in the news, I don't go to any news sources. I go to, I go to Twitter and I go yeah. to what's trending. Yeah that then that that's a shift, a behavioral shift that worries me a little bit, because I think, oh, that's quite a big one. <laughs> I don't look to the news, I mm. look to an eyewitness who snapped something who's then uploaded it onto Twitter see so I will look trended. to the
0: news but then I like to see what everyone's saying about it on Twitter <laughs> that's very true I'm like oh let me form my opinion by what everyone else is saying <laughs> I do I did hit
1: a low a few months ago when I was watching TOWIE the Anyways Essex for international <laughs> listeners and I realised I was what I was then I had the TOWIE trending thing just kept refreshing
0: it to see <laughs> oh my whether God. they thought what I did about I mean I'm not going to lie I'm not going to lie and say I haven't done that with Love Island <laughs> but we we shall not talk about that because that will be a whole can of worms that we're opening there um but one other thing that i do think is interesting and is bucking the trend is therefore podcasts Mm -hmm. because suddenly we have this audio uh Content that has nothing to do with the way you look or mm. what you're achieving or whatever. It's just people enjoy listening to conversations. Some of them are the most mundane you'll ever hear, but people enjoy them. I don't know if you, how I. Day. No. <laughs> how my, do one day. of my favorite podcasts, I cannot believe how good, how much I love it, is Fortunately with Fee and Jane. Oh. Oh my God. If, if you haven't listened to it, I could spend hours and days just listening to those two What's women natter away. So they're both, they're both journalists. They're both I think they both work at the BBC. Uh, one of them's um, Fee Glover mm-hmm. and Jane... Oh, God, can I get it up? Can I have mm-hmm. a look on my phone? Because I was literally listening to it this morning. Um, oh, God, I'm on low power. Okay. It's with... Emily Mates. Oh, no, now I've started so- playing it. Oh, God, I'm so... Fun- <laughs> Oh, it doesn't say their last names basically it's called Fortunately with Fee and Jane and it's produced by Radio 4 I'll find it I'll
1: find it the link will be in the show notes listeners.
0: but they basically just natter and they have a guest each week but like the one that I listened to this morning was um, Emily Maitless. and instead of talking to her about like you know her job and her normal kind of like presenting role on the BBC they just nature about the most random of things like <laughs> her curly hair and they're like why don't you why don't you wear curly hair on the-? but uh, yeah I just absolutely love it and for me um my days are so spent like trying to consume lots of things and learn and focus that like I love nothing more than getting lost in like mindless chatter. A conversation that you don't need to be a part of. Yeah. But you're actively involved in. Exactly
1: that. And called in anthropology, um something participant it'll come to me.
0: Oh I love that. Hang on. It'll come to me (laughs) at some point. But anyway, yeah, so that's that's one of my favourites and for me, like, if I, my happy place would be listening to them whilst cooking a nice little dinner and pottering around my kitchen and just being able to let my brain rest mm. because not only is my body moving for the majority of the day because I'm running between meetings and doing whatever, but my mind goes at a million miles an hour. Mm. And properly, as you can tell, because I talk so much, <laughs> but my mind is constantly whirring Same. so to cu- quiet the noise i don't do well in silence because there's still so much noise going on in my head it's like a concert at the o2 up there so for me i have to have something that i'm able to tune into mm. but to tune out of everything else and so like those kind of podcasts or doing a, a very simple task like cooking mm. is the most meditative meditative thing i can do I think what's very, very, for me, and I wonder if you're the same,
1: is I actually have a quite a good measure on my mental health, how I'm doing, mm. based on what I'm listening to. Mm. If I'm feeling really good, mm. I actually don't need anything. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling a little bit anxious, I will have an audiobook on the whole time. And if I'm feeling really like off kilter, I mm. will listen to music. Mm. but now it's really good because I can go okay so I need to address that Yeah, to like
0: maybe meditate or go go for a run or
1: Mm. do something
0: yeah that's interesting I, I don't know whether I necessarily have that I find it very difficult to check my mental health when I'm in a in a period of anxiety I'm better at coming out the back of it and then being like oh my god that was awful right um and I definitely have struggled with my mental health for various reasons over the last few years um as the worst part was I used to suffer terrible panic attacks I don't get those anymore thank god because they were horrendous but then it was just everyday anxiety about the most ridiculous of things that I would develop these kind of like scenarios in my head of like things that would happen and it was just so crazy but I would almost work myself up into such a state over these silly things But then also, I'm sure, like I said, I was back back my mind constantly talking, that constant internal dialogue of like, Mm. this isn't going right, you're not doing this, what's this, like, why haven't you finished that? Why aren't you being productive? Like, Mm. why are you sitting there scrolling on your phone when you should be working? Um, Why haven't you done 10,000 steps today? Why (laughs) haven't you done this? Do you know what I mean? That, for me, is like what I have to really try and tune out because it can really get the better of me and make me feel, go from feeling... A million dollars to like really really terrible and I always say that the reason why I know that mental health just doesn't care who you are or what you are it can affect anyone is that the majority of the time when I've been doing really well in my career and my relationship's great and everyone around me is happy I can feel at my worst. Mm. I can feel so low and so alone, which is weird because, you know, I have a wonderful boyfriend, great family, great friends, but I can feel like I am the only person in my world and I'm Mm. so alone and I'm drowning. Um, So I think, yeah, I find it very hard to, when I'm in that state, to be like, oh my God, something's wrong. It's only when I sort of come out the back Mm. of it or I... I speak to someone about it because that's something that I've got better at doing is saying when I'm struggling um, that I'm able to then look back and be like oh god that was, that was really hard um, but yeah thankfully it's not as bad as it was
1: are you somebody who gives off a, uh, the appearance of being together mm. so that when you are in those moments of struggle perhaps the people closest to you don't actually know to put their hand on yes. your shoulder
0: world's greatest actress (laughs) I trained in this I'm sorry I forgot darling (laughs) this is my day job yeah no I am terrible at doing that like and that's that's the sad thing is is that like unfortunately I am a great faker Mm. fake it till you make it Mm -hmm. and so I'm very good at putting on a happy face I'm very good at smiling and I'm very good at holding it together and then I'll come home from an event or whatever and I'll just burst into tears and I'll cry on my own which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it sounds awful and I, I laugh it's only because when I say it it sounds so ridiculous like why would I why would I feel that or why would I come home and cry on my own and not ring someone mm. but I for some reason my brain and my body just stop me and I'm almost like paralysed into this state of anxiety until finally I, may, I calm down and I'm like okay I think I need to talk to someone mm. and thankfully as well and I think living with Paddy has been the best thing to happen to me because before I lived on my own, and I thought it was going to be the most wonderful thing ever. And I was like, I'm going to own this. I'm going to live on my own. I'm going to be so Carrie Bradshaw and like have my own flat and <laughs> organize my wardrobe and just live in like cleanliness that is only my Let mess. Use the oven. I know. <laughs> um, but then I just found that every day I'd come home and I'd just sit in my flat and I'd be like. I had a really shit day today, but I've got no one to tell them, like to talk to about it. Mm. You know, I don't really like ringing people and saying stuff. I feel like I'm a, such a I have to be with someone to tell mm. them. And so I internalized all of this stuff for a year. And it was only when I moved in with Paddy, and we started to come home, and he'd be like, How was your day? And I started to say, Oh, well, today, you know, it was actually really bad because this happened, or this happened at this event, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. This person said this to me, or you know, whatever it could mm. be. And suddenly I was like, Oh I feel a bit lighter. That I'm offloading, yeah. Mm. And this is what relationships are about—you know, communicating and saying how you feel—and um, so that massively changed uh, my, uh, I guess, um, the way that I was and how I felt, and f- going to bed feeling lighter each night because mm. I just shared. I think that was really, really key. Uh, massively projecting onto you here, but
1: is the the not telling people mm. before you moved in with Paddy? Is that about not wanting to seem emotionally vulnerable? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And also I still was very much under the belief that that emotional vulnerability was a sign of weakness. Mm. Because and and I guess it came from many things, but my mum is a very emotional person. She's always shown her emotions and so I was always brought up with that being totally fine, but it is drilled out of you at college. Is it? When I went to this yeah. Like, I remember crying in my that ballet class and there was no one that was sympathetic for me, I tell you now. Like he was like, Stop crying. Or get out my lesson and just get on with it. And you have to develop a really thick skin mm. because you're also dealing with rejection on a daily basis. You're going like my best friends are still in the industry. They are going and slogging their ass off every single day in auditions, day in, day out, and getting those. Like that's that's difficult to deal with. Mm. That's hard on your mental health. So you have to develop this really thick skin. And for me, that was just developing this layer of like I'm fine, everything's great, I'm doing amazing, and I'm just going to pretend because that's the easiest thing for me to do right now because acting is all I know. (laughs) But I feel that that
1: that kind of pushing
0: it down Mm. will always erupt. Of course. Always. Mm.
1: And actually that's sometimes when it will happen when you least expect it and then Mm. you will go, oh my God, I didn't realise I was Mm. struggling because your your reflex and your normal is Mm. to just suppress, suppress,
0: suppress. Mm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think as well it's about that control. So for me, I... I didn't realise that, you know, emotional vulnerability doesn't necessarily... And and all these kind of issues don't have to necessarily be about you sobbing on your sofa every night. Mm. Mine was about, I don't want to feel these emotions, so I'm going to try and control everything in my life by controlling what I'm eating, controlling my exercise, controlling, you know, all those other things. um, Because that's the only way that I feel like I've got my shit together. Mm. And... That, that lasted for so long but it didn't last forever and it very much wears out when you can't really control those things mm. anymore because they're actually spiralling out of mm. control and I got to the point where I was like, oh my god, like, what am I doing? And so, yeah, I guess when you do then deal with the eruption as such, uh, so much more comes out than you realise because mm. you've just like buried your head and buried your head and, um, yeah, it's it's eye-opening um, to realise how much um was really going on that you almost didn 't actually realize mm. um, so yeah that was that was a big big thing for me i 've spoken to quite a few friends
1: actually recently, not on the podcast but we are all running our own businesses Mm. and we've all been in this position of um, clenching is the best word I can use to describe it, where you're clenching to, like, I'm clenching to manage the finances, I'm Mm. clenching to do my content, I'm clenching to get my work done, I'm clenching to do the shopping and, like, keep my house in order Mm. and everything is very tight and clenched (coughs) and tightly wound. Sorry. (laughs) And um, I'm so sorry. Please don't (coughs) apologise. And we've all come to that point of actually the second it got easier was surprise, surprise, Mm. the minute that we relaxed. Mm. And I wonder if that's how it felt for you too. (coughs)
0: Yes. Just I (laughs) choked on my water. oh my god that was a really bad choke on the water sorry (laughs) you're forgiven are you okay i'm all good we're back in the room (laughs) okay so i completely good and that was such a nice analogy as well and i just completely ruined it with my coughing fit Um, oh i
1: thought i was making you laugh by saying the word no some people could be triggered by that no no
0: no i love it and having done lots of work on my pelvic floor recently in terms of (laughs) oh yes yes we're going in terms of talking about that um I love the word clenching in fact it's probably one of my favorite words to use with my clients so don't worry um but yeah no I think you're right and I think all of us in some way are trying to because I think it's part of life you feel as though you have to this is why I was telling you about that book by Holly Bourne which Mm. so for everyone that's listening before we started I was telling um, Emma about this book that I read while I was away and it's called How Do You Like Me Now by Holly Bourne link will be in the show notes please do because it's amazing (laughs) but basically this woman is is describing how I think the majority of us feel which is that she felt like she had to project this image of having her shit together because she was she'd gone through her 20s she'd had her wild years and then she was like right I've got the job I've got the boyfriend I've got the friends that are all having babies I've got the career I need to look like I've got my shit together but I really don't and I think we all feel as though we're on this especially as women this timeline of like Mm. checklists and okay get into uni and then you have to do this and then you have to do that and like you all have to follow the same narrative because my god if you deviate from that oh well you must not be successful then or if you don't do x y or z oh god well you must be unhappy then or you must be lesser than because Mm. you don't have x y or z and it's just such bullshit Mm. (laughs) it really is and the more that i realize that the more i i lose that that need to clench because i'm like who am i trying to who am i trying to impress Mm. you know Am I living a fake life so that everyone else around me validates my success or am I just doing this for myself? And the majority of the time a lot of us do these things because we're just like I want everyone else to know how happy I am, how successful I am, and how great I am at all the things that I'm doing. Mm. Whereas like if you stop spinning on the hamster wheel and you get off and you're like, "Okay, what are the things that make me happy? Is my job making me happy? Is my relationship making me happy?" regardless of what anyone else thinks you've got to put yourself first and be like what do i actually want mm. <laughs> because i think and this is another thing that's wrong with you know we've talked about all the bad things about social media i do love it by the mm. way Same. but another bad thing about social media is again this comparison thing of she's had a baby they've just got married they're doing this they're doing that they just got promoted mm. and if you're not on that trajectory it's like oh god i must have failed like absolutely not i couldn't think of anything more crazy than the idea that we all have to achieve something by this certain age mm. and if you're a woman and you're 32 and you're not married with kids like you're somehow lesser than bullshit mm. like i just it infuriates me and that's why i love this book because i just thought finally i feel like someone's speaking to what i've been feeling which is like i how do i say this I, I need to own the fact that like I don't really know what the hell I'm doing more because <laughs> I think everyone looks at me as being like super successful and you know, you've achieved so much and you're only 26 mm-hmm. and you're in a happy relationship and all that. And like, yes, I am so privileged and I and I cannot deny that. But also like I don't I don't know what I'm doing just as much as the next person doesn't. I'm just like fumbling my way through life and like trying to stay afloat like I said at the beginning Mm -hmm. and I might have achieved certain things in about by a certain age but I also might not I don't know what I want or you know whether I want kids or not or whether I want to you know stay in this industry for forever or not I don't know and yeah I've, I've removed myself from that metaphorical timeline in my head and I'm trying to make sure that like all of the life decisions that I now make are because they're genuinely making me happy, mm-hmm. not because I feel as though I'm trying to keep up with what everyone else around is doing around me. When you say said a minute ago about um, yes, I
1: might have achieved a lot. Mm. You're only 26, you've achieved a lot. Do you give yourself credit for the fact that that took hard work, being savvy? Mm. Lear- learning on a very steep learning curve because mm. no one shows you how to monetize social media yeah. to gain a following on social yeah. media. It's not handed to you. Mm. Do, are you are you able to give yourself the credit for that? Yeah,
0: I am to a certain extent, but I also just think, for the most part, I was in the right place at the right time, and I think Ooh, that is Alice. sometimes no. And, and don't get me wrong, I have worked hard, and I, I, I do appreciate that what I've done is. Is a, is a great thing. Um, but I think to a certain extent I was in the right place at the right time and I'm okay with that. You know, like, actually the challenge now for me is a lot greater mm. because it's like, how do I maintain this? Yeah, Because I had this huge upward trajectory and then suddenly it does plateau and you're like, okay, what next? Mm. What do I do now? Because you have to i guess find your thing and find your find your vibe and it, it, instagram has evolved so much and whatever so i think actually i was the easy years for me were those first few years because things were just happening left right and mm-hmm. center and it was just like trying to stay afloat yeah now i'm like i can get my teeth into my job mm. i can start exploring different ideas and concepts and projects and do things that i really care about because i have time to do it um so i actually think now i find it more challenging than i ever did um but in a good way
1: i think the way you just described it actually made me think of yes you you came into it at a time when it was perhaps easier Mm. than it is now Mm. to build a huge following Mm -hmm. and to be noticed so it's almost like you had this really steep trajectory which i'm thinking of as a takeoff yeah and actually now what you're at is your cruising altitude so like you you're you're good you're up there and now it's a case of you can you know set the panel set the controls to kind of do a bit of the flying yeah. for you and you can look around and see what
0: you want to exactly what to do and just hope that there's no awful turbulence along the way <laughs> well, I, well this is the thing i think There has to be a bit of turbulence. And every
1: time I'm having... I don't know if you do this, but every time I'm having a weird period with work Mm. and it's not going the way that I want it to, Mm. I feel like, why is everything so difficult? Mm. I think this is because in three weeks' time, it'll be so easy. Mm.
0: Because you'll have navigated this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... I think you're right. I, I wish... I felt like that at the time. Sometimes I'm like, everything's going wrong. And my manager or manager be like, we need a meeting. I'm really failing. I'm not doing my job right. The amount of times I've messaged her and been like, should I quit? <laughs> and she's like, no, Alice. Um, but yes, I think you're right. A little bit of turbulence is a great motivation to move forward positively.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Just to sort of, yeah, what's the, uh, adjust your course. Yeah. Perhaps, if it needs, if need be mm, yeah. take it off cruise control or exactly. like autopilot whatever it might be now you did talk about podcasting and we are doing a podcast but it would be remiss of me <laughs> not to talk to you about your podcast Yes. so was that the reason why you decided to start one it's called Give Me Strength
0: yes um, I think to be honest I've just developed such an interest in in women that have a really interesting relationship with exercise that it kind of felt like the natural progression to mm. be able to make that into a podcast and um, I I felt very passionate about doing it, and it was such a kind of it was like my baby. It was the first thing where I felt really, truly, Mm. true ownership of it, Um, and I loved it. And so, yeah, we're just in the in the plannings of series two now. How many episodes were there in series one? Did ten in series one. And you spoke to some formidable. Yeah, it was amazing, honestly, and it's crazy as well because I think some of the people that I interviewed to my favourite, sorry, were the unknown people Mm. so i say unknown i mean they're known but like they're not huge Mm. like obviously like dame kelly holmes jess ennis those Mm. kind of people they are incredible and i'm not saying that they're not because they really are but a lot of their story is known Mm. whereas for me the the most amazing people were like sophie butler and martine wright um are two of my favorite episodes who are people that i don't think many people have heard of but who have the most amazing stories where you're just like on the edge of your seat thinking how are you still mm. sat here today you know anyone else that I know would have given up a long time ago and you are sat there beaming smiling in front of me just being the most amazing energy and I just thought to myself god like you are incredible both of them um so yeah the, having the the opportunity to do that was was a real um, was a real high point.
1: I don't know about you, but I think I believe everyone has a story. Mm. I think everybody absolutely has a story, and that's mm. why I think podcasting is so great. And as yeah. much as I would love to get Oprah and Russell Brand <laughs> and people on the show, sometimes the people that surprise you or that you take a huge amount away from are the people, like you say, whose stories you might not have heard mm. before, mm. Um, who are maybe a little bit more real than Mm. oprah oprah's real oprah is real people but what i mean (laughs) is uh, the lessons that she learns in life aren't lessons i'm going to i think it's just more relatable isn't Mm, it
0: yeah yeah i think and even when someone's gone through something as awful as like martine wright she was in the seven seven bombings and she lost both her legs above the knee you know even when something's as awful as that has happened she's weirdly able to make it a lot of what she's learned as a result of that quite relatable. Mm. You know, I read her book before I met her and I took a lot of stuff from that mm. about mindset, about how she remains positive, about how she dealt with a lot of it, um, relationships, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that's, that's why those people are sometimes better mm. is that there is there still stuff that you can relate to them yeah. on a level with you um talked about being positive and you also
1: talked about having quite a busy mind mm. and whenever I have engaged with you online and now in person, mm. you are a very you have a very sunny disposition it Thank seems you. very positive, <laughs> but you've alluded to the fact that internally it can sometimes get a bit um, mm. there can be some dark clouds mm. and I wonder whether. Um, worrying is because it is for me and again I'm projecting onto you here, worrying is like safeguarding you because you think well if I worry about this then if it happens I will have already kind of halfway sorted Mm. it Mm. is it a little bit like that Yeah, troubleshooting?
0: Yeah I think so interestingly like I think me and my brother have both developed and less him so now but developed this like worry gene I don't know what to call it but I was such a nervous um person, I I guess, when I was growing up. And I used to panic about a lot of stuff, silly stuff. Um and was always outwardly confident but inwardly very, very shy. Mm. I think that's the other thing that I do. Like it I'm I would say now. Typical actress. Yeah. <laughs> completely. Because I would say now, if someone said to me, Are you confident Or are you shy? I say, I'm desperately shy, but I'm very, very good at faking confidence. You're an introverted extrovert. Yeah, I really am. And um, worrying is part of my complex. That's, you know, I, I, for example, one of my biggest things, I'm weirdly OCD about being late. I cannot be late for anything. I panic about being late for things. And I feel like almost physically sick if I'm like late for something Mm -hmm. which is just crazy because like sometimes it cannot be helped but for me I have to be on time for stuff even if it's most simple things like meeting a friend I'm like I'll get there 10 minutes early so mm-hmm. that gives me a buffer third like, and can I ask you a question because I yeah. the same thing and I wonder are
1: you worried about getting in trouble because that's what it is for me I've kind of really drilled down into it what oh, am I yeah. worried about is
0: someone being cross with me yeah someone being cross with me or just like and, and if I if I question it because like one of the best things that someone has ever taught me and what I try and practice with myself is that, like, you are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. That your thoughts are an internal dialogue that's completely separate to who you are as a person. And to question and to criticise your thoughts more, so objectifying them and saying, well, why are you thinking that? Mm -hmm. Why are you worried about being late? What's the worst thing that can happen? and questioning it almost makes it seem like I'm questioning that voice in my head rather than accepting that to be true. Um, So I have tried to do that a couple of times. But even so, the answer is generally, well, someone will be annoyed at me. Mm -hmm. Um, And as anyone that knows me well can attest to as well, I... um, I panic about getting into trouble with anything, mm-hmm. anything, you know, it's like, oh God, what will they think of me? What will he think of me? Like, if I do this, did they like me? You know, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's all about, it's all about being liked mm-hmm. and it's all about people pleasing, basically. If disease I to, to please. Yeah. If I had it, if I had to drill it down to two things, it's, I'm desperate to be liked by everyone. I'm desperate to please everyone. And so... Um, and that's why I find people like Caroline Hyron so refreshing because I'm like, you're doing everything that I kind of wish I could do but I just can't
1: <laughs> <laughs> Caroline,
0: and I think we talked about this
1: beforehand mm. she does not care no. like, if you like
0: her, great, if you don't, mm. great mm. but th- yeah, that's why I adore her and I, and I get a lot a lot from her page but um, yeah, I think that that's what mine is about and I, yeah, I agree with you, a lot of it is like oh god, I'm going to get in trouble
1: so, um you've come to a place where you're happy with yourself physically Mm. you've talked about having the the, um, sort of transformational journey both in your head and physically Mm. do you feel like you're getting there emotionally
0: as well? Yeah, but I think it's always a journey Mm to use a really cringy word, I'm so sorry.
1: Maybe <laughs> no, You said earlier about um, progress not being linear.
0: Yeah. And so, I think it's the same with any of these. Completely. And I don't think you ever arrive at, like, a successful, happy place. Mm. I think we in our heads have this kind of ideal of a destination where you get to where it's mm. like, I've arrived, everything is wonderful, I'll never have to worry again. And, like, life just doesn't happen like that. And it's constantly throwing shit at you that you have to deal with. And that's difficult sometimes and you will have times Mm. where you feel awful and your mental health is compromised that's life but it's how you deal with it that's the the most important thing it's not it's never a bad thing to suffer from mental health issues ever Mm. no matter how small or big it's a fact it's 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 life it happens Mm. and sometimes it affects people worse than others but it does um Mm. the the problem arises when you're not able to deal with those issues and or thinking that you can handle it yourself. And the biggest and best thing that I've ever done is learning to reach for help when you need it mm. because that there, there is so much help out there. It's just the understanding that you are worthy of help. Is that with friends and family or do you mean like a therapist? Yeah, or? various. So I've mm. seen a therapist. I have um, done a lot of things. I have talked to friends, to people that are, like, kind of friends, but also, like, people that you can just a little bit farther further remove mm. so that you can talk to them a lot more about yeah, stuff. Because yeah. sometimes it is hard to talk about really personal stuff with people that are very close to you. Mm. Um, and even little things like just taking myself away for a few days. Like, mm. if I just need quiet and I need headspace, like that's really mm. important. And for me, it was understanding that I was worthy of help i think a lot of us think our problems aren't that bad and we'll tell ourselves that our problems aren't that bad so we're not actually worthy of of yeah. seeing a therapist or getting help or going to our gp about it um whereas for me it was like that i constantly told myself that to the point that i was like actually i'm really not coping here things are really really bad and i actually desperately need help um rather than you know catching in the first instance i let it get pretty bad before i actually reached out but now i realize that that was wrong and obviously when you speak to a therapist or anyone anything like that like you still feel quite silly i think and i think i did because i was like oh shit like i'm sat here in front of this woman i've paid her and money and I don't actually think my problems are that bad and I feel like running back out of the room but the more you sit there actually Dolly Auditon wrote about it in her book Everything I Know About Love um, her experience with a therapist and it sounded exactly like mine which is you sort of sit there and you're like yeah I really shouldn't be here like my problems aren't that bad and what am I doing here and whatever and slowly 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 I mean they keep their cards so close to their chest but you just start talking and then mm. you might say a bit more and the next week you might say a little bit more and then you might actually say something and then you're like oh that's touched nerve I might talk a bit about that mm. and then suddenly before you even realise it you are like floodgates open I'm just mm. going to talk about everything oh that's how it happened for me anyway I know that won't happen for everyone but that's how it was for me and it was like I'm just going to tell everything because I just feel like I've got all of this stuff that I just need to get off my chest mm. I don't really care if it's that bad or not it's bad to me and so yeah that's 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 why i think in terms of um i forgot where i even went with this conversation (laughs) as you can tell i probably go off on a lot of tangents (laughs) but um yeah i did get help from from various different
1: sources i think therapy is really useful i've done it i've talked about Mm. it on this podcast before i think you um the idea that your brain can process and file Mm. every single thought and feeling in a way that is logical without any assistance it would be like me saying i'm going to build muscle by going to the gym (laughs) yeah and then I wouldn't but I don't know if I'm using weights it's Mm -hmm. like a therapist is like you going around and saying this is how you work this muscle Mm -hmm. this is how you use Mm -hmm. this machine this is what this
0: yeah that's a really good analogy actually topical
1: <laughs> yeah well because I think we need to give our physical health and mental health absolutely a similar role absolutely do you feel like that's what you do as a PT is that as much as you do the physical it's also the emotional
0: and the mental yes I think so I think more and more so now as well as I appreciate the weight of both of those things and the impact of both those things and how there's so much synergy between the two as mm-hmm. well um, so success in the gym I think is 50% mental I think it's about How you feel about yourself? How you feel about your life? Whatever, what's going on in your head? Have you slept well? Are you calm? Mm. Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Whatever, all of those things impact the exercise. The exercise part is actually quite simple. Mm. You know, like you don't have to be doing crazy exercises to notice change in your physical composition. Um, It can be really, really simple, and you can have a massive difference. It's more, how consistent are you with it? And how do you feel about it? And where are you mentally? I think, and all the kind of other behaviours that go around it that are really key in in making change. This has been so much fun. Ah, thank this you. This has been so. Apart interesting. from the fact that I'm like overheating right now. it's No, me too. Ridiculously warm in my flat. The I'm back of my shirt so is entirely sorry. saturated.
1: <laughs> I might have to stand next to a fan. Um, it was really interesting to talk to you genuinely i like i said i do consume your social media i have loads of your videos saved it's really really nice to have now spent time with you you you're equally as awesome in the flesh (laughs) thank you so much Um, it's been a joy the links to everything all the books you clearly read as much as i do (laughs) will be in the show notes and obviously the links to all of alice's social media feeds but thank you so much thank you i loved it thank you you so much for listening i really do appreciate you spending your time with me and my brilliant brilliant guest if you want to get in touch with me and i really hope that you do i encourage you to email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com i manage that inbox personally replies will come from me not someone else you can also slide into my dms where i'm chatting to people all the time i'm um, i'm at emma guns on instagram and on twitter and if you want to speak to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast then i highly recommend you go over to Facebook click the link to join the group the link is in the show notes and have a chat about all sorts of things there's some great conversations going on in there all the time I dip in and out it's fabulous it's good fun just come and join us and if you do have the opportunity to either like um, subscribe or maybe even give a five-star review maybe write a little review uh, when you about this podcast then please do that too that would be really really helpful and it would be so so appreciated thank you so much for spending your time with me It's been a pleasure. I cannot wait to see you on the next one.